Thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into the city, saith the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for mine own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 116, Hezekiah, Assyria, and Salvation. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Of all the images, artifacts, and objects in the British Museum, whose collection we have been discussing this week, the most impressive and terrifying are those taken from the palace of the Assyrian Emperor Sancherev. To be inside the museum room where these are exhibited is to feel as if you have stepped into Sancherev's domicile. You walk around and you see image after astonishing image depicting the assault of Assyria against Lachish, a city in the southern kingdom of Judah. Lachish was entirely destroyed by the Assyrians, and we see it happening right before our eyes. As with other artifacts from the British Museum, here too one can see what Israelites look like. Every single image is not only of humiliation, but of torture, persecution, and defeat. On one panel, Jewish prisoners are flayed, in another, women are led into exile, and in another, men sadly strum harps as they are forced into slavery by the Assyrians. What is shown is one of the greatest defeats suffered by one of the greatest of Davidic kings, but it also points the way to one of the greatest miracles in our history and allows us to better understand why Jews are themselves a miracle today. Since the splitting of the monarchy after the death of Solomon, much of our focus has been on the rulers of the northern kingdom, all of whose administrations, to one extent or another, succumbed to the lure of idolatry. But in the south, in the kingdom of Yehuda, Judah, some kings were righteous and others evil. Yet even those that were not wicked reflected one religious failing. In the words of the Bible, only the high places they did not remove, which means that the Davidic kings did not ensure that all sacrificial offerings occurred in the temple in Jerusalem. As we read of the total domination and destruction by Assyria of northern Israel, the Davidic king in the south, a wicked idolater by the name of Jehoahaz or Ahaz, subjugates himself and his kingdom to Assyria. The son of Ahaz, however, is one of the greatest kings of all politically and religiously, turning his kingdom to God and restoring the full centrality of the temple in Jerusalem. His name is Hezekiah, and he is described in chapter 18, verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he cleaved to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Thus, Hezekiah rebels against Assyria and Sargon's successor, Sancherev, rampages through Judean cities, destroying almost all of them, including, as we know, the city of Lachish. Sancherev's forces then head to Jerusalem. We have to understand how at this point, not only Hezekiah's future, but the very future of the house of David, of Jerusalem, of Judaism, and the Jewish people hangs in the balance more than any other moment in Jewish history up to this point, with the possible exception of Israel attacked by Egypt right before the splitting of the sea. If Jerusalem falls to Assyria, that is the end of the Jewish people. Sancherev would deport the Jews of Jerusalem to faraway lands and forcibly assimilate them, just as Sargon had assimilated the northern kingdom. 
if Jerusalem falls, there will no longer be Jews. Hezekiah prepares for a siege, ordering a fascinating engineering achievement regarding Israel's water supply, which we shall discuss tomorrow. But what could Hezekiah actually do? After all, Lachish had defenses, and we know what happened to Lachish's defenders. The same could be said for the other destroyed cities of Judah, as well as the cities of the northern tribes and the nations of Moab and others. Why should Jerusalem be any different? Sancherev's general, Rav Shakeh, comes to the city walls of Jerusalem and, speaking in Hebrew so that all the inhabitants would understand, tells them to surrender. The ministers of King Hezekiah plead with Rav Shakeh to speak in his own Assyrian language so as not to terrify Jerusalem's residents, but stoking terror is exactly what Rav Shakeh seeks to do. Chapter 18, verse 28. Then Rav Shakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive oil and of honey, that ye may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah, when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand? Now, of course, the bargain Rav Shakeh is offering, surrender and exile, is not a good one. If Jerusalem will surrender, its residents would preserve their lives. But what happened to the Israelites of the north will occur to them. They will be taken to a different land, forcibly assimilated, and they will disappear. At this point, King Hezekiah, hearing of Rav Shakeh's words, ascends the Temple Mount. Chapter 19, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, who dwellest between the cherubim. Thou art God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sancherev, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Upon the issuing of this plea, the prophet Isaiah comes to the king and tells him that redemption is assured. Verse 32. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. And he shall not come into the city, saith the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sancherev king of Assyria departed and went and returned and dwelled at Nineveh. A hundred fourscore and five thousand is 185,000, 185,000 Assyrians surrounding Jerusalem, all struck dead in one moment. 
it is the greatest salvation since the Exodus and the most miraculous salvation experienced by Israel in the land of Israel. It is hard to put into words the wonder of this event. And so I'm grateful to Professor Fanton Redding and their excellent book, The Lost Treasures of the Bible, not only for its excellent descriptions of the British Museum collection, but also for referring me to a poem by the British poet Byron, a poem titled The Destruction of Sancherev, which describes this moment. The Assyrian came down like a wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold, and the sheen of their spears was like stars on the sea, when the blue wave rolls nightly on deep Galilee. Like the leaves of the forest when summer is green, that host with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves of the forest when autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strown. For the angel of death spread his wings on the blast, and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed, and the eyes of the sleepers waxed deadly and chill, and their hearts but once heaved and forever grew still. And there lay the steed with his nostrils all wide, but through it there rolled not the breath of his pride, and the foam of his gasping lay white on the turf, and cold as the spray of the rock-beating surf. And there lay the rider distorted and pale, with the dew on his brow and the rust on his mail. And the tents were all silent, the banners alone, the lances unlifted, the trumpet unblown. And the widows of Ashur are loud in their wail, and the idols are broke in the temple of Baal. And the might of the Gentile, unsmote by the sword, hath melted like snow in the glance of the Lord. This is the poem. Now here, ladies and gentlemen, is what is truly amazing. We have parallel testimony about this moment from Assyria, from King Sancherif himself. In the collection of the Israel Museum, and there are parallel ones in other collections, sits what is known as the Sancherif Prison. There the Assyrian king celebrates his victory over the Jews. And this celebration was clearly composed at a time when Jerusalem was besieged. Sancherif gloats at the destruction that is yet to come and boasts that he has trapped Hezekiah, quote, as a bird is trapped in its cage, end quote. Thus, according to Sancherif himself, Assyria was on the verge of destroying Jerusalem. And after that, in the Assyrian records, nothing. Jerusalem survives. Soon Assyria is overcome by Babylonia, and the terrifying empire that almost ended Judaism ultimately ceases to exist. What happened? We know what happened, thanks to the Bible. Israel was saved by God, as it had been in the past, as it would be in the future. To this day, there are those who seem to reflect skepticism regarding miracles in the Bible such as these. An article in the newspaper Haaretz, pondering why Assyria would suddenly leave Jerusalem unconquered, declared in a headline, quote, how mice may have saved Jerusalem 2,700 years ago, end quote. The article notes that the Greek historian Herodotus describes a mysterious encounter of the Assyrian army when fighting in Egypt with mice that gnawed at their bows and helped bring about their death. Perhaps, this article theorizes, really this story is about Jerusalem. The article in Haaretz writes, quote, It's also plausible that mice could bring down an army. If 185,000 Assyrians suddenly upped and died, mouse-borne plague is a possibility, end quote. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, there are those who would rather believe that mice killed 185,000 soldiers rather than accept the claim of tradition and scripture that salvation came at the hands of God. Needless to say, ladies and gentlemen, I do not believe that it was mice that dealt an enduring death blow to one of the most terrifying armies that the ancient world ever knew. If you will permit the literary reference, the story of the Jewish people is not a story of mice and men. It is, rather, a story of God who preserves his people. 
And the miraculous endurance of Jerusalem and the Jews then teaches us about the miraculous endurance of Jerusalem and the Jews today. Because the words Rav Shakeh proclaimed to Jerusalem thousands of years ago still resonate, only not in the way he intended them. Where are the gods of the other nations? Where are the other nations themselves? Why does one nation endure? Why has Jerusalem survived? Why is it a Jewish city now, as it was in Hezekiah's age? The answer was eloquently expressed by Leo Tolstoy, who once wrote, quote, He whom neither slaughter nor torture of thousands of years could destroy, he whom neither fire nor sword nor inquisition was able to wipe off the face of the earth, he who was the first to produce the oracles of God, he who has been for so long the guardian of the prophecy and who transmitted it to the rest of the world, such a nation cannot be destroyed. The Jew is as everlasting as his eternity itself. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.